Welcome to the Out of Left Field Sunday Morning Coffee Edition. Charlie and I usually get coffee on Sunday morning. We decided to record it today. After yesterday, Charlie, first of all, we used to host a show, the Monday Cool Down, a couple of years ago. And several people just love that show. Lauren Wingo in Memphis still texts me about when y'all going to bring the cool down back. We're not. We're going to keep it as out of left field because our thoughts are kind of out of left field. We used to do a segment, and it was pretty much, do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Or was it about the same as you did the night before? You've had about 12 hours of sleep on this. What's your thoughts on yesterday? I had a lot of trouble getting those 12 hours of sleep because I stayed up reading the Internet all night. You know, when I was a kid, the thing that I loved to do on Sunday morning after a win. Get the clearing ledger. Get and read what Rick Cleveland had to say. Yep. Read what Dennis Dodd or one of those guys had to say about it. Rick Cleveland, sadly, no longer with the clearing ledger. Deprised me a little bit of that excitement. But back to your question, do I feel better or worse after having a little bit of time to calm down? I feel better. I feel even better than I did because the last time before yesterday that you and I were on the radio talking college football together in any real depth was in Nashville after the Music City Bowl, and I could not have been lower. My expectations for this football program could not have been lower. My excitement, my enthusiasm could not have been lower. We were bad. We were really, really bad, and I was worried we were looking at a major rebuild. I remember that first segment in Nashville, and I think I looked at you, and I said, hey, let me tell you, Charlie, um, what are we going to say? What can we say? We had just gotten skull drugged by Louisville, who was a bad football team. You had zero excitement. Everybody was was pissed off, sending us texts, sending us tweets. And you know what we said? We lose all credibility if we don't speak from our heart. We just laid it all out there. And at how many times would we look at each other and say, are we going too far? <laughs> well, this is one of those, you know what, you have to be authentic because you couldn't come on after that game and say, hey, we got some really good play by some young guys here today. We've got a bright future because that night the future wasn't bright. Yeah. You didn't get great play. And you'd have been a complete fraud if you'd have come on. Now, I think you told me once or twice, hey, don't lose your job over this. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to back it away. But – This is a very big win for Mississippi State and the fan base to feel good again and to believe. We wanted to believe in Mike Leach, but now you have to. People are going to be strutting into church this morning. I'm talking about strutting into church later on. The sun's just now coming up here in Starkville, man. And I tell you what, it was a party in the Cotton District last night. (laughs) Yes, it was. After we get off the radio, it was unreal. It was awesome. I mean, the band was playing loud down to Two Brothers. I mean, there there was a lot of people down there. I think there was some social distancing going on, but I didn't care last night. It was great. So I I think it was as good as well because I look back – yeah, we threw for 600 yards, but there was a lot out there. And that's what Mike Leach said in the post game. He says, you know, I, I still think there was a lot out there. K.J. Costello said that. He said, that's what's crazy is we threw for all these yards, and I think of the plays that were left out there. And, yeah, and that's going to be a part of the offense. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's you're going to look back at several games it, it, during several games this year and say, you know, we left a lot out there just because of the vast volume of pitching and catching going on. Yeah, when you throw it 60 times, you're going to miss some. You're going to drop a couple. You're going to have those misplays. I, I think the thing that is really satisfying to me this morning is when you have to see these guys like Barrett Salee and these other guys that 
somehow have created positions for themselves covering college football, all the narrative was that this offense would not work. Hey, he said it yesterday after the first drive. I mean, I thought it, to be honest with you. After three plays, we go three and out, and Barrett Salee says, hey, I told you all this might lead – Offense wouldn't work in the league. Now, he deleted the tweet. I give him credit <laughs> for going back. And, you know, I'm pretty sure we probably had some guys that reminded him of that during the game. Well, we had two three and outs in our first three possessions. Only two we had during the game. But, yeah, it's kind of a little bit nervous there. Wondered if you were going to get across that goal line. Here's what was crazy is, is I sent you a text during the first quarter of the game. We didn't watch it together yesterday. I sent you a text, well, actually in the middle of the second quarter, and said, how many plays have we run inside of our own 20? And at that time, it was 11. I mean, this is not like we did this against a short field and they turned the ball over on their first or second drive, and we kind of had to field our way through the first quarter. We scored 44 points and had over 600 yards of passing pretty much in three quarters yesterday. Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. That's the thing. We scored 44, and we got off to a slow start. We weren't very good on offense. Bart, you got to be excited about this. So many times teams hire coaches, and what do they say? They come in and they say, we've got to establish the run. That's the thing, the conventional wisdom in college football and in pro football. We have to establish the run. We're not establishing the run. Look, Alabama's going to establish the run. LSU's going to establish the run. Even last year with Joe Brady, they still ran the football and controlled the line of scrimmage. It's kind of cool to see you go out there and basically say, we don't care about the run. We ran for nine yards. Take the sacks out, we ran for like 44. But flip the side. LSU wanted to establish a run, and we wouldn't let them. That's what was so interesting because I don't think either one of us expected our defense to even put up much of a token resistance yesterday. Here's my thought, and just at 10,000 feet, and I'm a Mississippi State guy. You're a Mississippi State guy. Grew up here, love the place. This is home. This is, I mean, this is my life. And we grew up in a time frame where we had teams that were not successful, and you kind of wondered, okay, did Jackie Sherrill in those few years in the early in his career, then kind of later in his career, and then Dan Mullen, did they capture lightning in a bottle? Okay, did they, did they come in with that edge, and you know, the, did they catch college football down a little bit? Yeah, know. when Alabama maybe eh. wasn't as good. And so, is this something that, I mean, that they just caught lightning in a bottle with? And then you see a guy like Mike Leach come in, and, and you realize after seeing different coaches try to beat Alabama with Alabama's offense and try to beat LSU with you know, LSU's offense, you've got to be a little different. We had to be a little different. Mike Leach is different. Okay? I mean, <laughs> he, is, he is a different – he's a different dude. He is a different style of coach. And so you had to do something different. And <laughs> after one day, knowing what's on the other side – I don't care how many graphics CBS has to tell me how many players left LSU's program. I don't care. They still have four and five stars in the secondary. They still recruit top five nationally every single year. And so I don't want to hear that. And one of the things that is very misleading, because I, I started peeling behind the depth charts, and the big thing was, well, LSU only has four returning starters playing. But that was misleading in this sense. Their left tackle two years ago started 11 games. 
the guys on the secondary. Hey, let's take what LSU says about their own guys. You can go right now, unless they've edited it overnight, you can go pull up the LSU media guide, and it says in talking about one of their other cornerbacks who yesterday after the game, well, he just didn't have experience, he hadn't played. They say in their media guide that he's going to combine with Stingley, who is out, to be the top cornerback duo in the country. The guy played in 13 games a year ago. It wasn't like he hasn't been on the field. There is a difference in returning starters and returning experience. LSU had way more returning experience than they would like you to believe. And you talk about Mike Leach being a different guy. I had to laugh. When you turn on the NFL today, you're going to see a bunch of guys with these big old play cards, highlighted (laughs) red, yellow. They've got their third down chart. It looks like he scratched that out on a napkin at the team breakfast that morning. He's got just a – it looked like the pad from beside the hotel room bed that he just drove his place out on. Did it have an Embassy Suites logo on it? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Everything about this guy is different. But how many times have you and I said that? We are not going to be a better version of Alabama. We aren't going to be a better version of LSU. We got to be us. We got to be something different. And here's the thing, when we've had success, and this was the point that I took from the game yesterday, for Mississippi State to have success, we got to play with an edge. Oh. we got to play with a chip. And the people that I talked to, some of them were at the game yesterday. I, t- I talked to different media around the country after the game yesterday. We, you know, we all text. We all you know, direct message each other. And the thing that kept coming back was, let me tell you something. Yeah, y'all threw for over 600 yards. But you hit. You played with an edge. When did you notice that during the game? When was the first time you thought, hey, you know what? We may be tougher than them. I thought, to be honest with you, to start maybe the first drive of LSU. And I I hate to say it that early because – Aaron Brule had a nice play in that drive. But we got a push up front. And I'm going to be honest, Charlie, the messages we kept getting from practice, and we both gone to practice a couple of times, is – Man, I don't know about our defense. I don't know. We can't we, we can't get stops. Well, oh, look, you and I were talking and comparing our defense and the expectation that we ought to have for this game to the Arkansas game where the only time we got off the field was when the halftime horn went off. Man, I was thinking 2016 Peter Sermon. I'm like, like guys going to be running wide open. I like mean, we were trying to decide whether we compare it to Peter Sermon or Ron Cooper. That's how <laughs> bad we were thinking this was going to be. And I thought, I thought we got a push up front. I thought we played with a toughness, um, getting to the quarterback, and then you begin to wonder, okay, is this just the first drive? Is this just kind of putting it out there? early on, is this going to fade away? I thought as the game went on, (laughs) we just played with a swagger. We didn't have guys running wide open. Now, we got the – we got great penetration up front, and we hit the hand of, of Miles Brennan, and he throws it short, and Furge uh, intercepts the football. The guy was wide open there. But at the end of the day, even on slant routes, crossing routes, we had DBs right there. Yeah, and you can go back and look, too. Some of LSU's big plays in the passing game, we had guys in the right place. They just didn't make the play. We lost some 50-50 balls defensively yesterday. But what it tells you, though, is we're pretty well coached. And those guys have a much better idea of what to do and where to be 
in the ability to be there than I expected them to have. Our receivers had way more separation than LSU's. And, and a lot of those knocks doesn't come strictly from personnel. I mean, on the defensive side, it's the same as the offensive side. These guys are learning a new system via Zoom for six months, thrown out there. It's hard to figure out where you're supposed to be against various offenses and guys lining up trips to the right versus duo receivers to the left, where I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to line up. You're supposed to have more breakdowns on defense than we saw yesterday. And particularly add to that, there's new coaches across the way. Yeah. You know, you got Scott Linehan. <laughs> he used to be with the Cowboys, didn't work out. Glad to see him in college football, particularly with an opponent. And so, but you don't know what they're going to do in the passing game. It's the first game. There's always some things different. I'll tell you, I noticed it midway through the second quarter. I didn't put too much stock into it early on. The things that jumped out at me, you know, I thought we were tougher. I'm going to add another word to that. Except for the penalty late, I was waiting on the personal foul. I was waiting on the late hit. I was wait, waiting on the roughing the passer. We were disciplined. Yeah. We were really disciplined and tough. We were in the right places. I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged by the defense. I'll tell you the thing that I noticed, um, kind of my overriding takeaway from the game was we won 44-34. to 34. And we didn't play perfect. No. And we didn't come close to playing perfect. Turned it over four times. We turned it over four times. And two of those led directly to LSU points. Yeah, we, look, we threw them a touchdown. If you're sitting on your recliner in Boise, Idaho, running the scores, you look at that score and you think, wow, LSU must have turned it over five times. Mississippi State must have been perfect. And we weren't. Yeah. We, you know, we had a drop. We had four turnovers. If you go back and look as well, you look, we didn't do anything in the first quarter offensively. I mean, we basically put up 44 points, as you said earlier, in three quarters. We weren't perfect, and we won. And that's what gives me even more hope. That wasn't a fluke. Yeah. We beat them. Well, I mean, I, I touched base with my buddy Stephen Augustinelli this morning, and he was like, that, that's why I'm so tickled. It should have been 50 to 24. It should have been 50 to 24. Yeah. If you look at you know, the, the turnovers, the interceptions, I mean, the, the three turnovers were tough. Turn Three of the four were very tough. And go back to what you were talking about earlier, too. We did not get any easy short field touchdowns. Everything we had, we had to drive. We were starting inside our own 20 all day long. Okay. And, and before we go to the next point, we got pressure up front with our front seven. And let me tell you this, we were getting held every single freaking oh play. I'm talking about every single play. I, if I'm an offensive line coach in this league, I am telling my lineman, I don't care. You just reach out and you do the two-step dance. You grab that guy, I mean, just grab him because they ain't calling it. They are not calling it inside the tackles. No, and, that's exactly right. They're going to get the running back for it. Yeah. But inside the tackles, yeah, it isn't happening. Which brings us back to the point, Zach Arnett. Man, what a job. Oh, my. I put on Twitter last night that obviously K.J. Costello is kind of the storyline. That's the thing that's going to make the headlines, and deservedly so. But there needs to be a game ball on yeah. Zach Arnett's desk this morning because 
that guy had his group ready to play. He had them disciplined. They knew where to be. We weren't blowing assignments. And look, man, Marquis Spencer, <laughs> Jordan Davis, Tyrus Wheat, we got pressure. And Kobe Jones, I mean, we were really good up front. And that goes back to that LSU offensive line that we kept hearing was all brand new. They weren't. They had a lot of starts, way more starts on the offensive line than we had. And the other thing is the guy who was back, you know, their right tackle, Austin Deculus, we beat him. I mean, we were beating guys who years before had beaten us. You know, we said going into the game, you know, we had a bunch of guys that, hey, you know, they had not had a whole lot of experience. Yeah. I mean, we like Major League, you know, yeah. who, who are these guys? I mean, you want to talk about the 19 graphics that CBS had about LSU not having guys that you, you knew the name of. But let me tell you this. It seemed like 12 was around the football all day yesterday. Sean Preston, he was around the football all day yesterday and talking smack too. St. James, Louisiana guy, you know it was great for him to go back home. Emmanuel Forbes, you know, 13. All 145 pounds of him. Yeah, you know, freshman from Grenada. I mean, these guys played well. They played with an edge. Hey, Furge played well. Furge played well. I was – well, look, when the depth chart came out and Asias Furge was listed as first team, I was really concerned about where we were just because we haven't seen Furge play. And not only did he cover pretty well, he did get pushed off on that touchdown. And so that one will go on the ledger for him. Should have been a flag. But he got up in run support. I thought that was pretty impressive too. How many times did LSU throw it out on the edge, a little screen play, a little bubble type thing, try to get you know blocking from one receiver to free the other? And our guys came up and made plays. We beat wide receiver blocks, and we took those plays that typically against us would have gone for 10 or 15, and we made them four and five. Okay, let me ask this question. Okay, glass half empty guy. Okay, sometimes I like to try to find the negative. Tyrus Wheat, who was around the football all day yesterday. Aaron Brule, who was around the football all day yesterday. And then I talked about Sean Preston. All three of those guys from Louisiana. You know there was probably a little bit of extra. There was a lot of extra for some of those guys to go into <laughs> Baton Rouge. And so I think just based upon being around Zach Arnett, to bring it back to Zach Arnett, being around him and seeing what he does in that in those position rooms and seeing what he does with that defense, it's almost like if you can capture that. Because, you know, you had some raw emotion with some guys going back to LSU. If you can play with that edge every week, you're going to be okay. Because here's the thing. I got a text message from another guy yesterday during the game. It says, can you imagine this offense with a 2018 defense? Oh, my goodness. All you've got to have. All you've got to – you ain't got to be perfect on defense. You don't have to have the 2018 version of Mississippi State defense to be successful right now. I'm liking the 2020 version. I'm liking the guys that play with an edge. Yeah, they're going to make mistakes. People are going to score points on us. That's the reality of football now. Absolutely. You know, it's you have to adjust your mindset. We're not going to have a 99-type defense ever again. But what you can do – you're going to give up points. What you got to do is you got to force some turnovers to get the ball back. But yesterday, look, we got some stops, and you put it on the put it on the offense, and they went and scored. I want to take a brief detour, by the way, because you you mentioned the name Aaron Brule. One of the things that really got under my skin of many with the CBS coverage <laughs> yesterday was LSU's working down on the goal line. We're trying to get the stand. We ultimately do hold them to a field goal. 
what a big sequence that was, by yes. the way. Twice yesterday, our defense in that series, and then after the turnover, you know, one of the one of the times where we really showed that Zach Arnett knows what he's doing, and this defense is playing with the edge is pretty tough. It we was, held them to three. It was forcing the field goal to tie it at thirty-four. Yeah, that was huge, Massive. absolutely huge. But in the sequence where they're in the goal line situation, Gary Danielson, the sideline reporter, whoever that was, they spent minutes and minutes talking about Aaron Brule and how he wasn't really hurt, and the fans are booing. If you were faking an injury in a goal line situation, he's going to go off the field. And he's going to get a sip of water, and he's coming right back in the next play. Sorry, I cramped up. I'm good. We wanted Aaron Brule on the field. If he was able to go at that moment, we'd have had him out there. I think it is terribly, terribly irresponsible for journalists to speculate about an injury being fake absent some objective measure of being able to believe it. Because here's the other thing. What was their argument? Well, he wasn't getting treatment. If you're cramping up, there isn't treatment to give you other than stretching it out. You haven't got to take somebody in the tent because they cramped. I have a long list of things that I don't like about Gary Danielson, but that's right at the top from yesterday. Well, and then Kylan Hill jumps on there, and they're like, well, you, you wonder if Kylan Hill's like Aaron Brule. I mean, you wonder. You've you got to be kidding. I mean, you, I can't wait to ESPN, and I like Brad Nestler. I like Brad Nestler. He's a good. Lot. Brad Nestler is good. And don't he, you know he wakes up every Saturday saying, "Why, why do I got to go? This, why do I got to get brought down by these clowns?" Yeah, and they can go over and do Alabama next week. That's what they. That's what Danielson wants to do. I mean, let let him go. <laughs> let let him go. Okay. Uh, so, thing for me, special teams. You know, it's it's crazy we haven't talked about that already, isn't it? We didn't make mistakes. I mean, we Austin Williams fair caught one punt inside the 10. Okay, and that, that's one of those. And it was close enough to the sideline that you can say, all right, if he doesn't catch it, it may, you know, cough and corner at the two. And, you know, we haven't talked to Mike Leach about that, but there is a new philosophy. Most of us grew up with the idea of what? Stand at the 10, ten. you don't back up. There are a lot of coaches now who say it's the five. And because so many balls are just going to check up, I don't know what he was taught there. Now, watching it, I was like, oh, boy, what are we doing? But that ball could have been out of bounds at the two, like you say. But think about the teams. Here's the thing, Bart. You go back to that Music City Bowl, and we were talking, and I said, if I am coaching football at any level, I am instructing my team that if you return a ball from the end zone, you're gone. You lose your scholarship, we're sending you home, pack your stuff, leave. The only team that did that yesterday was LSU, and they returned one from eight yards deep. Yeah. And we make the tackle around the 15. They gave us a break there. We didn't run it out. We looked like we had the mindset of we're going to fair catch it, take it to the 25, we'll be fine. I like that. You know, we punted the ball well. And then the other thing, when Brandon Ruiz came out, by the time we got a couple efforts into it, you just assumed it was going to be good. Yeah. Didn't even hold your breath on 40-yard t- attempts. And that was a big one. That was the one to give us a lead back. And it was, what, 43 yards. And he just pumps it right down the pipe. Here's the thing I look back, and, and we saw the Cowboys game last week. 
and where you see so many of these hiccups mentally is going to be in the kicking game. It's going to be in special teams because you ask yourself the question, have we had a chance to go over it? Because everything else is a crash course. The offense is a crash course. The defense is a crash course. Because what's your first thought? Okay, if I've got Emmanuel Forbes out there, and I don't know if he played special teams yet. I'm just making him this example. If I'm Zach Arnett, I'm worried about, and I want him to make sure he knows my stuff before he goes anywhere else. And so that's the big thing there is we didn't have any breakdowns in the special teams at all. Okay, the thing we haven't talked about yet, it's crazy that we haven't talked about it yet because this is the obvious, K.J. Costello. <laughs> oh, boy. And he wasn't perfect, but he breaks an SEC record by 80 yards. Think about the quarterbacks who played in this league. And what did, what did, what was the thought process of K.J. Costello, Costello coming in? Okay, he's played in the Stanford offense, a lot of seven-step drops. We took the sack on the first drive, and I'm like, uh-oh, okay, now <laughs> he may hold on to it too long. But then he, he's got just enough pocket awareness. Well, he's got really good pocket awareness, but he's got just enough quickness with his feet to kind of maneuver around the pocket. He's not a statue back there at all. It's the old Greg Maddox, I don't have to throw it 100 miles an hour to be successful. I mean, he's a guy who just doesn't overpower you, but he finds the right spots. I tell you what, he, to me, he looked like the Danny Werfel of the old Florida Florida teams. I mean, they could put it anywhere he wanted to put it. And in this offense, when you look at the Gardner Minshews and the Graham Harrells of the world and, and all these guys that have had success in this offense, you don't have to have that big, huge arm to be successful. No, you don't. You have to put it in the right place, and then your guys have to catch it. We had that one drive or that one drop by Javante Payton. 60 pass attempts, you're going to have some. Yes. But you know what? I thought, how many times last year, how many times going back to the Florida game a few years ago, have we sat down after a game and said, we can't catch? <laughs> he put the ball in some tight spots, and our receivers made catches. Man, Osiris. Osiris looked big time yesterday. He's a different guy. Completely different guy. And so much of that you wonder is about repetition and just about the way you practice now, about all the <laughs> tennis balls, about running in sand, about doing all the crazy things. Because Mike Leach said it's all about pitching and catching. You know, it's interesting. So many coaches, and you, you ask them, what do you need to be successful at Mississippi State? And a lot of them are going to talk about we need this facility or we need – this program or we need these specialists and we need these things. You know, Mike Leach was asked that question. He said, oh, I don't know, just some jugs, machines, and some tennis balls. We'll be okay. And basically, we're just going to fire tennis balls at receivers all summer. We'll be fine. It worked. Something worked. And here's the thing, too. K.J. Costello, we talk about Zach Arnett. I mean, this is a new offense. So much has been talked about how easy this offense is to pick up for a quarterback and a wide receiver. K.J. Costello got here late spring, Zoom calls. <laughs> I mean, trying to learn a new offense. And I know the guy's from Stanford. The guy's a smart guy. He is a smart guy, and he's a good quarterback. And he had a lot of success in the Pac-12. This is a guy that's been there, done that, comfortable in his own skin. He knows what it's like to go out and play Division One football, albeit it's in the Pac-12. But he, to me – about picking up this offense kind of shows you and shows quarterbacks around the country if you want to be recruited by Mississippi State just how quickly you can be successful in this offense. I thought he was phenomenal yesterday. Boy, and 
the more I've watched of the post-game interviews, the more I'm impressed by him. He's got it. He's got professionalism. Yeah. Because you could tell his presence is very much that of a guy who is a graduate. He comes in and he talks about, look, quarterbacks are thought to be the ones to inspire people. These guys have inspired me. And he talks about how hard other people are working and all the things they're doing. He was a little bit emotional, understandably. But here he is in that time, never once focusing on himself, but talking about the other guys. There is something about that guy. Don't you know, by the way, that when he talked to his buddies in California and said, (laughs) I'm headed to Mississippi State, that they thought he had lost his mind? I bet he is sending some text messages home today saying, hey, decision looks pretty good, doesn't it? It's the talk of the country. It's the talk of the country. You look at any show last night, any reporter, it's the talk of the country about Mike Leach and the success of coming to the SEC and K.J. Costello, the guy threw for over 600 yards against LSU. Okay, Charlie, we said we we're going to cap this at 30 minutes. And, and by the way, if you just uh, – I'm listening to this. I mean, Charlie and I, we just decided, man, we're going to have some coffee. Let's tape it and, and throw it out there. We have a show we do every Thursday night locally on WFCA, 100,000-watt station. It covers a third of the state of Mississippi. And then we throw it out on podcast. It's called Out of Left Field. And so make sure you subscribe. We get into a little bit more detail, a lot of lot more numbers, and we'll preview next week more. But uh, that's our show. Our sponsors are great. Farm Bureau is a sponsor. I tell you what, my country pleasing sausage this morning. As soon as I got it tasted up, pretty good. It, it, it tasted really, really good today. And then Cannon Ford of Startwell. So we've got three really good sponsors. And uh, so make sure you subscribe to Out of Left Field. We'll do that on Thursday night as well. Okay, Charlie. Going forward, before we get out of here, where are we? When we opened the show, we talked about this was kind of a throwback a little bit to our old Monday cool down show, right? That we have a little bit of time and calm down and ask where we are. Just to bring it back a little bit, I'm going to say we don't know. I think, look, we are in a much, much better position than I thought we would be. We have excitement again. We have a reason to be enthusiastic. We have a reason to believe in this offense. I think what's going to happen is we're going to host a pretty bad team next Saturday in Arkansas. It's a team that won two games a year ago, two games the year before that, and four the year before that. I want to see this Mississippi State team come out and just boat race Arkansas. I want to see us put up 60 points next week. I want to break a passing record again. Go out and do those things, and we'll know (laughs) a little better we are. Because what you don't want to see, right, is the letdown. What did we talk about with LSU going into the game yesterday? A lot of teams don't recover from success. And it looked like LSU kind of sat around the offseason reading their press clippings and believing them. Let's hope we avoid that this week. I think we will. I believe we will. I just want to see us do it. Dogs and Hogs, 6.30 on Saturday night. And so, um, Charlie and I will have the pregame at 4.30. So, it'll be a different show. I mean. Boy, and if this game lasts as long as yesterday's, we'll be doing postgame around midnight. Man, those CBS games, when you start talking about the content and having to listen to what you have to listen to, but then the length of the games. I mean, and we I've, complain about college baseball being too long. How many times do we hear that? Oh, I can't watch baseball. It lasts too long. That game yesterday, NFL, I'll give the NFL credit for this. They get a football game done in three hours and 15 minutes. 
And, hey, you know when you sit down to watch a game or you sit down at an NFL stadium, it's going to last between three hours and five minutes and three hours and 15 minutes. And that's it every single game. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll be glad when ESPN just has it all. Hey, appreciate you listening to us. Hey, that was fun. Yeah, it was. Maybe we'll do it again. Did you uh, did you drink the full cup of coffee? No, I'm about halfway in. I'm going to have to warm this one back up. And, you know, maybe in future shows, you know, we ought to try to get somebody virtually joining us in for some Sunday morning coffee. We may do this again. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Sounds good. All right, folks, listen to us out of left field Thursday night. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, tune in. Wherever wherever you get your podcast. So anyway, we'll see y'all Thursday. Thanks for listening.